Welcome back to the last episode of We Got Dreams. Today we have me, Stephen, and we have our co-host. I'm Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Nice to have you back. And we have a special guest with us this episode. Eni Ashbrotsky. Hey. What up, guys? I wanted to say again, um, thank you for doing this. When I was at Burning Man, I was, you know, without internet for, well, almost 10 days. And I come back and we get into signal range and my podcast update and I see that this is on there. And like, I just grinned like a madman listening to it on, on the way home. It was fantastic. Thank you. I was very, very honored and, and flattered and all those things. The surprise is exactly what I was going for. The The ambitious plan was to actually have them all recorded, maybe all released while you were gone, or like at least two of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, the first week that you were in Burning Man, or at Burning Man, I had jury duty for oh, five whole yeah. days. And uh, that that sucked up all my bandwidth for, you know, one of those two weeks. And then mm-hmm. I think we did that. So that would have been in like, what, August? And then you connect me with Jen in November. And at the end of the last episode, I said, uh, we'll be back soon. So this is soon. <laughs> <laughs> Relative to, to the previous it is. Yes, yeah, definitely. For sure. But no, I mean, it was a lot of fun. You know, it it's there, there was something extra fun about discussing it and reading it just because, you know, like when you and I did um, uh, Not Everything is a Clue, you know, we did a lot of psychoanalyzing of uh, Alexander Wales, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But this is fun because I actually know you. And so there, some of the psychoanalysis at least is probably more spot on than our, you know, trying to read stuff into Alexander Wales or Elias Yudkowsky. Right. And so that, that was that was half the fun of it. Um, it. It was fun to to hear that. And, you know, admittedly, you had a number less of a word count to work with. You only got 120,000 words as opposed to um, being um, worth the candle and HPMOR both being over a million. That that's true. This was never going to be a two year project to do the the, uh, <laughs> right. the reading on this, but uh, no, nah, I would have liked to do it longer and have more structure to it. But um, it it was either like, all right, I've had this on the back burner for a while. I'm already late. If, if this is going to happen at all, then it's got to you know, especially if I was going to get one out while you're uh, at Burning Man. Uh, yeah. Then it was like, all right, this just has to happen quickly. So, mm-hmm. but. But yeah, and then uh, it was great meeting Jen and, and talking about that. I re-listened to those today to kind of refresh my memory of what we talked about. Um, also, and- to be fair, when we were reading what Worth the Candle, those were about, f- I think it was 30,000 words each that we read when we uh, when we did our episodes. Um, 30 to 40, usually closer to 30, though. And um, that would have been three episodes. So there we go. That's a fair point. Yeah, we there was, there was a lot there. Uh, yeah. I mean, but the, the fun thing is there's a lot here too. And I'm trying to remember, you know, I don't know if your memory of, of listening to the, us talk about this is, is perfect, but is there any like psychoanalysis that me or Wes or me and Jen made that was like totally off the mark that jumped out at you that you remember? Nothing that was totally off the mark. No. Nice. We did yeah. it, Jen. It, 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 there were a few times where I was like, oh man, I, I feel legitimately seen and that's, uh, that's cool. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, there was one that Wes pointed out with, I, I don't know, Jen, do you have any things you want to say at like the, I don't know, top part before we start kind of digging into stuff or do you want to lead us in or? No, I think, I I mean, I have some questions, some author questions, but they're in no particular order and they're kind of rambly. I took some notes and I'm uh, I'm just loving the, the opportunity to read something and then talk about it and then get it from the horse's mouth. So awesome. we can go mm-hmm. in any kind of order. Okay, well, cool. I'm- before you start thinking you're getting things from the horse's mouth, I, I do want to start off the caveat that I am a firm believer in the death of the author. So 
the work is out there. And now that I talk about it, like I can talk about the inspiration or what I think about it, but that is just one opinion, man. And uh, anybody else's reading is just as valid as mine. I don't know. One of my notes here says to health, death of the author, wink. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, so like, so you actually know, I mean, this is the thing, right? Like Mm. you, I I do know the author. Yeah. Well, you know, the author, (laughs) you know, pretty well, but uh, no, it was like, at the end of uh, the last episode, Jen and I were talking about, we were speculating about the the aftermaths of our protagonists. And mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't, so like something, you know, whatever, um, uh, Andreas has a future, you know, did, did, uh, did Marcus die after he, after he saw his wife at, in the Coliseum or did he not? Like there, there is an answer to that. That's not in the book, but that, you know, you say that I know it. There's some ideas I have of possible things that could be the case, but um, they aren't written down, so they could change. And also, that's just my own speculation. Like, literally, I like the fact that Marcus's ending is like, you assume he probably lives, but he could be bleeding out. And it's it's never spelled out in the book, like if he actually survives or not. And I like that, and I don't have an opinion on whether he survives or not. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I can respect that. Down right now, I wanted to know. <laughs> Maybe we'll, we'll push, we'll push you for your, your review. We'll, we'll push you for like your whatever your speculations and stuff, and we'll we'll you know everyone will just have the asterisk next to it, knowing that it's non-canonical. But you know, it it's one of those like I, I, th- I think I can appreciate having made something and then just wanting it to live on its own and not having to whatever have what you say impact you know because if like someone else read it and they really loved the idea that he whatever died there right and you're like well actually he got better and you know now he's emperor um that might take away from their reading of it is that kind of like part of the concern of this well the thing is they're wrong whether they think he lived or he died if they have a firm opinion on it it's intentionally ambiguous so (laughs) well but like but but, i mean so if they just like whatever if they're imagining you know in in their yeah, if they prefer him dead, that's great. I like that reading. And if right. they prefer him alive, that's great too. I also like that reading. That's what I'm saying though. So if you were to come out firm one way or the other, then like it would make one of the you know, one of those two people sad, right? Or or it could it could dampen their their reading of it if you were like, nope, this is what I think happened. I, I don't know. I guess No, I, I if they're good readers, then they also think the author is dead and they can be like, that's just his opinion, man. I don't know. I this is maybe off topic, but like, mm-hmm. were we just talking about this? That that uh, there are lots of ways to measure the success of art, but sort of one way is to say if it if somebody else experiences the art and is moved by it in some way, then it's a success, and then mm-hmm. that's great. That's legitimate. That's legitimate. And then another way is to say the the creator of the art was had some intention for how it would be received. And if the the message that they were sending lines up with the message that the person actually got from it, that's another way of possibly saying whether or not the piece was a success. So yes, you can't I control heard- it, and that's fine. And like most of the stuff I make is more visual, and there are definitely times when I've made something with an intention, and somebody walks up and just writes a completely different story all over it. And if they still like it, that's fine. I don't. It's fine. But I still mm-hmm. think you have opinions, and I want to know. Mm. If if I have. If I was really trying hard for something and I failed at it, I I will let you know. But I, in for that ending, I really was trying to make it somewhat ambiguous. So okay, I, I think I have succeeded. Were you 
I, I remember hearing about that at the uh, solstice. Were you the one that said that in the car? Yes, probably. If that's okay, what you heard cool. of it. Because I do remember just talking about that to somebody, and I couldn't remember where. It was in the car with uh, me and Eliezer, because I specifically brought up Death of the Author with him. Had some questions. Oh, the Death of the Author. You're right. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. All right. I think I've heard that that definition of art before, too. And I like it because, I don't know, if um, I'm trying to think of a good example, but none's coming to mind. You know, like The Old Man in the Sea, you know, is apparently some, you know, metaphorical book for this and that. But if the author... I'm convinced the book just sucks and he was just, you know, <laughs> just slamming on a, on a typewriter drunk. And then people are like, oh, my God, this is so brilliant. It has all these metaphors. And he's just like, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, you know, I don't, I don't think it was a su- successful work of art from the second definition there. Right. Uh, but it was from the first. Like, there's there's it, been a number of songs where the original artist intent was not as cool as what people got out of it. Apparently, um Every Breath You Take by, I don't know if Sting or if he was still with the police at that time, but it was supposed to be like a creepy stalker song and it turned into a love song. <laughs> I think Madonna's Material Girl was supposed to be like satire. Like everybody is so just materialistic and stupid. And it was the 80s. So everybody was like, fuck yes, I want to be rich. You know, and she was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll run with that. I don't mind having success. So so some I think embracing a, a thing that speaks to your audience more can be legit great even if you didn't intend it yeah no i, I think it you know, I, there isn't like i'm not i'm not saying that like one lens of um or w- one side of that that definition of of art is like better than the other just, just that they can be in conflict uh yeah so like you know if i don't know i mean <laughs> i i'm trying to think of how to tie this to what lies dreaming but I, actually before i do that i, I wanted to ask uh this there was a short story that was mm-hmm. that this was like the evolution of, right? Yes. I, I guess I could have gone and like looked that up, but I didn't trouble trouble to. Um, mm-hmm. What was that? When did that come out? And what are the main differences between uh, that and this? Other than, of course, the short story being shorter. Oh man, uh, that's that's a uh, whew, that's a good one. Um, so when did when was that published? I think it was 2015. I could look it up, but it would take me a few minutes if you guys want to uh, bother waiting. Meh. Um, we'll just we'll, okay. we'll, we'll ballpark it. All right. It was somewhere around 2015, um, and it was a short story. It was literally for an anthology of Lovecraftian horror that has been written in the pre-gunpowder age. And I was like, cool, I can do something with that. And it's basically Joa's story. Um, it, it is the entirety of all the Joa stuff, but boiled down to much shorter and there's far fewer things that happen but it starts the first joa chapter is the first page of the short story uh and the final joa chapter is the mm, that's not true the second to last joa chapter is the final page of the short story uh so that's basically what it covers but (sighs) i don't like how the novel ended i was kind of hoping to like save this for the end of the podcast i don't dislike how the novel ended but in the short story, um, Joa did the wrong thing. Uh, because in the short story, you just get the shittiness of the world and how awful it is and how the Romans kill the the animals for their entertainment and all the humans are just living lives uh, for the entertainment of the god that is dreaming them. And the they live horrible, shitty lives because that's entertaining to the god. And like literally the world would be better off not existing. And so Adis is bringing, bringing the god, you know, waking god up so the world will disappear. There will no longer be all this suffering. You know, it's a horror story. Uh, but Joa is such 
I want to say coward. He's such so afraid to die that he's like, no, I want to keep living. I have to keep living. And we're all going to keep suffering because I want to stay alive. And so it ends on a bad ending. Everyone Mm -hmm. continues to exist. And that's the bad ending. And um, in the novel, it has the same the same things happen. He still stops, stops the summoning and everyone keeps existing. But by the time I got to the end of the novel, like Joa had actually kind of found a place just because I'd been with him for so long. He, he found a few friends in those fellow slaves that he felt responsible for. He kind of like, he had duty and a job and some meaning to his life. So then like when he, when he saved the world, it wasn't all just suffering continues to exist. It was, there's some bright things in life too. And Hey, maybe we can even get those to magnify and be more of them. So it was felt like a more of a happy ending. And I didn't, I didn't necessarily like that. I was like, no, the whole point of the story was that it is better to not exist than than to have to live in this world. And, uh, and he failed. And now he actually did a good thing and saved the world. So I don't know that that is how it is different. So Andreas just peaced out. Mm -hmm. The world still exists. Mm-hmm. Where did where did he go? What how does that fit into that first ending and what you're saying about like I felt I was really happy. I was really pleasantly surprised with the optimistic ending of the novel. I didn't I Aww. for some reason thought it wasn't gonna end so well. And I did like the idea that we stick around for people and that they weren't friends, they were his family, and he was gonna go out there and keep fighting the good fight. Cause that's mm. my vibe. But uh andreas um was like i'm out i'm done with this dumb world and and got out and and left so is that sort of weaving in some of that original ending and like how 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 can he leave what did he go to another dimension like he's still going to be in the world he'll just be in a different part of it i don't know talk about andreas a little bit please Yes, the the Andreas was the closest to the original ending that I could fit in, and I was happy that I had that because I, I like that kind of doomy bad stuff. Like, there's Andreas is just fucked, man. Um, and yeah, he he pieces out, and I don't know where he goes. He maybe I don't know goes off to become a monk in the desert where he doesn't have to interact with humans anymore or something. I I it is unclear even to me. But he, he doesn't seem to be, uh, well, I, so the, the original ending was Joa being a coward. It, mm-hmm. Like, was that also what Andreas was doing? I mean. I don't know. You tell me. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I guess this is one of those things where I'm kind of curious what you're going for. But like in, in my mind, because I, I, I think that the suffering that people endure is worth it for the good that we get out of being alive. I'm not mm-hmm. one of those like, yeah, we should press a button and kill everybody if we could kind of guys. Mm-hmm. Um and so, you know, if, if there was a, if this was a dream, I'd want the, the dreamer to stay asleep, which reminds me before I forget, have you played a link to the past? I have not. Okay. Cause that game has a similar premise and it would have been right around, you know, when you had a, uh, was it a super Nintendo game? Probably. Um, um, I do recall a link to the past being a super Nintendo game, but that oh, wait, one did no, not I'm have sorry. a dreamer. Not, not a link to the past, uh, links awakening. Okay. That makes much more sense. Did you play that one? No, I did play the Super Nintendo one, but I I knew you were going to go to the Link game where someone is waking up, so right. that is one I have not played. Okay, yeah, because I mean, it's, it's one of those things. Like you know, if I was an inhabitant of that island, I'd be like, no, no, yeah, can you can you not finish your quest? Because I would love mm-hmm. not to die. Like mm-hmm. if if the um, 
uh what was joba's boyfriend's name uh aurelius aurelius yeah if if he was as sapient as i am you know then his his expressed desire not to die is legit you know Mm -hmm. he's not it's not cowardly of him to say please don't kill me right yeah so i guess how is joba being a coward in the original short story yeah in in the because in the original short story, it's just kind of, at least I really hope, if I did my job correctly, it's made clear that the world is such shit, it is not worth saving. That people would be better off dead rather than continuing to exist in the world. I see. I mean, so it's been a long time since I, I, I was read in that, a, so. I was in a darker place in my life when I wrote this. Well, and honestly, I wasn't, I wasn't that... I certainly wasn't one of those kill all people anymore when I wrote it, but I still remembered what it was like to be that when I was 19. And I was just thinking we would legit be better off if there was no humanity at all. Um, and so I was channeling, you know, young Eniosh when I was writing that. Well, and to be fair, the time period that you're writing in was also way shittier than our current one, you know, like if I, if I was a slave in, in ancient Rome, I might, I might be totally on board with killing everybody. Right. <laughs> oh, Right. That's the thing is that that perspective of the entirety of the world, like if you do the math, it's not worth it. We should all, you know, the world is that bad. Um, no one person is ever going to be capable of doing that calculus. You, you've only got your own perspective. And when you're really in the shithole, then it feels like everything is terrible. Um, yeah. You can't ever make that determination for everybody. No more than somebody who's like at the top of the mountain and eating golden apples all day can be like, the world's not that bad. What are you complaining about? Like it, neither one of nobody's single perspective is going to be right about the entire world. So nobody's qualified to make that decision for everybody. Yeah. I mean, sure. But Joe wasn't, he wasn't going out to destroy the world. He was just thrust in a position where the world is about to be destroyed unless he takes action to stop it. And, you know, then he took action to stop it. So Andreas could have taken action to stop the uh, attempt to thwart the, and the, end of the world ceremony right he could have assisted the witch i forget her name edis uh, edis. edis edis or edis yeah I, I don't know how to pronounce it actually it's an old barbarian name <laughs> so like he, he could have helped her and be like you know what the gods have convinced me that everything sucks and like you know everyone can work as hard as they can all the time and nothing you know everyone will always still be miserable he could have sided with her right he i mean in theory he could have yeah i mean so if if we were to ter- if we were to pick apart andreas there wh- why 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 wouldn't he have? It, it could be that this is actually textual and I just don't remember. Um, you know, th- he doesn't have a family that he's close to. He doesn't have any friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, all he has is the gods yammering in his head about how should a person he is, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> to me, that was part of his whole, I am putting down the mantle of having to save all of humanity. You guys make your own decisions now. I'm not getting involved because it's never worked out well for me and honestly hasn't worked out well for the people I've tried to help either. So I, I suck at this. No, wait, but, but when you say he's put down the mantle, you mean after he saved the world? No, he just, he went up there and um, confronted Marcus and then was like, all right, fuck it. I'm out of here. Like he, he didn't do anything to save the world. That was Joa. That's a real, yeah. Okay. You're right. I, I, I remember that. I mean, they were all, in the same proximity. And I guess he could have killed Marcus or something and ruined something or other. He would have had to go well out of his way though. You're right though. I think he mm-hmm. kind of just washed his hands over the whole thing. Like he, he was going to leave one way or the other. Right. As if he could. Okay. Yeah. I can dig it. Yeah. That's good. Um, that reminds me, I mean, kind of like just high level stuff. Then we'll dig into the minutiae as they come up semi organically. But um, 
I mentioned when I was talking with Wes that this was the first second person perspective thing I've ever read. Mm. And I was wondering why you did that. Was it like an exercise just to see what it would be like if you if you've done it before? Or like because you had three characters and you thought it'd be did did you mm-hmm. want your readers to relate to each character differently? There there were a number of reasons for it. Um I, I have written second person before and I feel like pretty much anyone well, no, because I guess it's not people who play RPGs, but anyone who's DM'd an RPG has done this before, where he tells the characters, all right, you walk into the room and you see this, right? Um, so it's it's fairly common if you've been a DM of a tabletop role-playing game. Uh, so it, it didn't feel that weird to me, but I kept hearing from other people, oh my god, second person, it's so terrible, it's disorienting, it, it feels squicky and off to me whenever i read second person and i was like that is freaking perfect because i want people to be uncomfortable and feel like things are off and weird and not quite fitting in whenever they read something from uh from andreas's perspective so it was that was part of it it was also because the short story was written in third uh, in first person and when you have three characters in a story having all three of them talking in first person makes it very hard to like jump between them in my opinion mm-hmm. if you have more than one viewpoint character you want to go third person but since the short story wasn't first person i wanted to keep joe in first person i really like first person it feels very intimate uh and so I kept Joe in first person. I made Marcus in third person. And at first I started Andreas in third person as well. But then I was like, you know, what could be a just immediate stylistic demarcation between the three guys who you're reading? What tense, uh, what um, POV it's in. And so that was another reason to make it in second person. And um, also just because I thought it was a fun little challenge. It kept me amused <laughs> to to switch between the three styles. So yeah, there were a number of reasons for it. Nice. I thought it was super effective. I thought he was, it just was so clearly showed that he was struggling and that like inside his head was a tough place to be. And it was super yeah. unstable. And yeah, it, it, I thought it was so effective. It was one of my favorite parts of the whole thing. Sweet. Yeah. I, I, I like that. Uh, certainly. I, one of the things too, about making it three different POVs for three different characters is that, it kind of leaves it semi-ambiguous as to who the, you know, if you have to pick a protagonist, who that one is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's probably Joa. Uh, but am I saying that right? I think you're saying Joe. No, Joa is okay, how yeah. I'm trying to say it. That's what I've been if trying. If I'm dropping the last syllable, then I apologize. No, I think I just, I'm not picking it up. You're, you're dropping it. Uh, so, yeah, since, since it's not like, I don't know, if if it was all first person for Joa and all third person for everybody else, then it's like, oh, okay, Joe is the primary, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And granted the, the story, you know, opens with him or whatever, but it's, it's kind of like, Hey, this is, this is everybody's or all three of these people's stories. And what's interesting is that intuitively, I think I would have thought that, Oh, being uh first person, I'll identify with that character more, but something about being told, I feel this way, you know, um, you know, rather in second person, you know, you do this, you do that. Somehow that made me feel more like Andreas than I felt like Joa. Oh, neat. Mm, that's interesting. And you you certainly wouldn't have been able to get that whole masterful, super fun last chapter oh, without the three different points of view. That was just so much fun. That I had such a blast writing that I didn't realize I was going to do that until like chapter eight or nine. And I was thinking, you know what? This this allows me to jump back and forth between characters just by changing the the um the tense 
the point the, it's the, not the POV. Tense, yeah, 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 yeah. I keep wanting yeah, to say tense I, too. Yeah, and and then I was thinking I could I could just melt the three of them. Oh my god, I could do like a whole sort of reality brain warping melding thing when the universe is unraveling. Oh my god! Yeah, and that was... from that moment on, I was so excited to get to that chapter. Yeah, there was, was the line that I still remember. It was uh, it was Andreas reading, and I'm, now I'm cheating because I quickly looked it up. But it was you read you read on head bent hatred rising, and the crazy thing is I can see you reading, <laughs> and there was like this shiver. <laughs> That goes down my spine. I'm like, hold up a minute. Oh, shit. Look at this. Uh, it was so cool. Um, yeah, that was really good. Yeah. I, I thought that was, uh, again, masterful. That was, uh, I've never had anything like that. And it was, it, it like you said, everyone got to be, have their own tone. It didn't have to like jump back and forth and saying, Andreas thought this, Marcus did that. Um, no, we just, we ju- we could just tell. You know, it, it painted like, if this was a movie, it painted the picture it, it put itself to screen in my head really easily, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was that was epic. Yeah, thanks. Really, really good, and that kind of thing it can only happen with the written word. It was uh, it was really good. Yeah. Um, I have a random backup, absolutely non sequitur of a question um, mm-hmm. that is still related uh, to the seven deadly sins or the deadly sins of which there are famously seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but you didn't use all seven. You picked and chose. I think you skipped sloth and pride. And I am wondering like how you, what, tell me more about that. I definitely had pride. I was a big fan of pride. It's my favorite sin IRL too. So <laughs> I- <laughs> wait a minute. I'm looking at the table of contents right here. Yeah. Day four. Oh, I'm pride. Sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, shoot. There were two. There's lust. One of them is diligence, which is not a sin. So, there's less diligence, gluttony, pride, wrath, and revelation and unity. So we're missing sloth. Uh, what is it? It's GP slave is the acronym. So envy. Okay. Envy, not pride. Sloth and envy. Where did they go? And why? Why use that as a framework and then skip two of them? <laughs> because they didn't fit. Okay. They're just <laughs> okay. each each of the summoned monsters was. Um, representing one of the sins and would cause all of Rome to like veer towards that sin in everybody's psyche, right? So I making everybody slothful would just kind of make a boring day. (laughs) (laughs) And And then they all took a nap. (laughs) Yes, right. (laughs) So I, just for practical reasons, uh, I wasn't sure what to do with, was day day five was diligence or was that day four? Uh, That was day two. Oh, that was day two. Okay. Um, I, I wasn't sure what to do with day two exactly because no monster is summoned that day. And uh, I looked for the – apparently there is a counterpart to the seven sins, which is the seven uh, virtues maybe? I'm not sure. But each sin has its opposite uh, as well, which are the far less known, well-known. Uh, I, I didn't even fun. know how to look that up. Yeah, and far less fun, yeah. But that's one of them. So I was like, cool. That fits in number two. kind of fits the theme of the day. So I'll use that. The idea of having the monsters kind of spill out this, you know, I mean, like literally like the kind of ichor black goo, but like have that permeate the essence of Rome. Uh, When when it became clear on day one, lust, where like, you know, everyone watches this monster get killed and then they get like inappropriately horny. Yeah. And and it kind of comes on slowly to the, but then it keeps ramping up to you're like, okay, yeah, this is, this is definitely unnatural. Um, and then with the uh, gluttony chapter, it was just, mm-hmm. it, it was epic. You know, like I remembered it, it had, um, 
what the emperor and his friend uh Paulus, oh, yeah. uh yes. had, you know they had just gorged themselves on the beast you know to, mm-hmm. to the point of being sick and like what i guess how how did that where'd that come from man that was awesome i i don't know so j- j- but my I mean, brain? The, the, the idea of having like the monster um like spill out it's the uh trait i don't know because it'd be one thing you know if, like i don't know it 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 played so naturally in the book but it, it's yeah. like this thing that never would have occurred to me to put in there right it was it was originally in the short story that i wrote but i only had five thousand words it was a five hard five thousand word limit on the story so i had to cut that and it was just a monster uh and i was happy when i had a novel i could put that back in and do all this other stuff because i didn't have a word limit not i mean not i had one but not as strict of one and uh I didn't want every monster just to make lust, though. So I was like, "What else can I do?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, lust is one of the seven deadly sins. Let's uh, let's have all of them do that." And actually, that really helps the story along because it just it acts as an accelerant. Oftentimes, you wouldn't get a full revolution in seven days, but you know, when you got a monster making people extremely wrathful or extremely prideful or whatever, <laughs> yeah, you can totally ramp that shit up and get it over quickly. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. Uh, it and I. Um, I had something to say about that, and it's slipping through my fingers, uh, which seems appropriate because you know it's like waking up from a dream. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> why is pride your favorite one of the sins? Yeah, why is it not lust? That wasn't my question, but now it's my question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I don't know aesthetics. Yeah, peacocking and, and being like... be, being proud of something is awesome. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think pride is just in general good. I mean, I think lust is good too, but it's um it's a thing that inspires people to do stuff. It it inspires other people to follow the person that they are proud of. I don't know. I just I, I like pride in general. Yeah, lust is my favorite my favorite sin for everybody else. For me it's pride, <laughs> right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I, I like uh the And it also makes some of the most interesting stories. Like all, all of the tragedies are people who were too proud and before the gods, right? Man, this this ties me into. I wanted to ask both about Marcus and uh, um, Andreas. Uh, let's do Andreas. So, yeah. with with his whole hang up with the gods, um, it was it was clear kind of once it became clear what was happening. And that was the other thing about being second person was that when he went on. Um, I don't know, like kind of like a stream of consciousness memory uh, journey. Mm-hmm. Like we went on it and it was just as disorienting for us as it is for him, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know, like driving home, actually, uh, I went from this evening. I took a wrong turn because I was distracted, right? Mm-hmm. And just that whatever train of thought that had me enough to where I didn't make it home properly, uh, <laughs> that if I, if I, if someone was reading my thoughts that way, they would have been very confused. And that's that. There are moments like that reading Andreas where it's like, wait, hold on. I thought he was in the market, but now he's fighting with his brother. Um, mm-hmm. But that's just what it's like being alive, right? Yeah. Uh, so, but what I was going to say is that it becomes apparent somewhere after just a few chapters that, like, okay, yeah, his whole God connection is clearly from some guilt hang up. Um, I think I, I used the phrase that he was bitten by Peter Singer. Uh, <laughs> I believe Jen calls it the EA disease. The, well, I, you know. It, yeah, he's definitely got uh, a serious case of the EA disease. There's probably a, a mild version that you know is totally palatable, but um, yeah. So he's got it up to eleven, right? And so yeah. it was clear, like, okay, this this is from overcoming something, right? 
and for a while you know, I was wondering, it's like, oh, maybe this is just in his head. Like maybe he just feels really guilty. So he's just imagining this, but they actually give him like insights. Mm-hmm. And so it is actually the gods um, of some sort. It's not clear how the gods exist. If are they also dreamed uh, or are they at the same level as the dreamer? But uh, where was it going with all this other than, yeah, I don't know. I, where'd that character come from? Am I on the right boat with just like, this is what happens when you get a guilt motivated morality. Um, yes, basically. Yes. There's, there's a very personal inspiration for Andreas, but it's personal enough that I wouldn't say it in a recorded medium. No problem. If, if anybody wants to hear it, they got to track me down in person and not have a recording device on them. <laughs> That's fair. Um, um, was there, do you remember, is there any part where they gave him information that he could not have had in any natural way? They told him to duck during a fight. Um, yeah, he was, I felt like the, the, I felt like they were giving him actually warnings that he couldn't have sensed. But then I think we talked about this last time, Steven, that there's some, like if he was a really awesome, well-attuned fighter, there's maybe he could have sensed it himself, but. Yeah. I kind of felt like the gods were actually giving him real intel at times that he couldn't he couldn't have gotten. So at first I thought all this uh, second person stuff just meant that he was in, instable in hearing voices. And then I was like, oh, no, wait, these voices have actual information. So maybe these gods are real. I, I could, it was it was ambiguous. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if like during the fights, because you're right, like it does. You know, I remember at least one of them was like duck or move or something. But that could, again, you know, just be battle-hardened spider sense that has nothing to do with supernatural powers but they might have also told him like which door the grain was behind or something um, okay but uh if w- what is your opinion Inyash? Is, do, <laughs> do you think he's hearing the gods or is he hearing his own guilty conscience i don't know um i tried to keep it pretty ambiguous which is why i was sort of not sure about that duck line but i remembered reading about some soldiers saying that like they felt in battle like in real life uh that they were like moved by some some presence or something to to do something and that saved their lives and they still can't explain it to this day and i'm like well i don't believe in the supernatural in real life at all so if people think that happened to them then i could totally write this in and you know people who strongly want to not believe that the gods are real in the novel have that to go to uh people who strongly want to believe that gods do believe uh exist in the novel can be like look they literally told him to duck and uh people can argue about it and i like that I, I like that. I, I'm 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 not sure myself whether they exist or not. I think they might because you know this is a fantasy world with magic and monsters and shit. But uh, a case could be made that they don't. I like that. No, the the ambiguity is fun. And you know, as much as I want to drag answers out of you, your your uh, steadfastness in re- in like refusing to say this mm-hmm. is what I was going for or you know this is what it was is actually kind of fun. Um, yeah. That okay, maybe I have misunderstood something. So everything you said just made sense. But I thought for sure in this universe of this book, the gods are absolutely real, and that these three men are the ones who have drawn the attention of the gods for various reasons. But I didn't think that the question of whether the gods are real in this universe was a question. Maybe just perhaps whether or not they're directly speaking to Andreas in his brain. Oh yes, that's that's what I meant. Okay, whether they're yeah yeah talking to him. See, I I I was thinking the same scene when uh, Edis is talking to, uh, um, I think it was Marcus because he had asked, "Hey, can you basically clone my son into the into anybody?" Mm-hmm. And uh, 
she said, yeah, because, you know, the gods have their eye on you. I thought that that she could have been talking about the dreamer. Mm-hmm. And so the, the the gods aren't real hypothesis or I guess position still works if you sub out her use of the word gods with uh, the dreamer, right? Yes, that is the god that she believes in. So, yeah, and, that, and that's what that, I think she was saying at any rate. Nice. Okay. Yeah, that's that fine. The dreamer is paying attention. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I don't know. I liked uh, Andreas's thing and it's. It's interesting being in that uh, that circumstance because you know I I'm whatever persuaded by the arguments of uh, effective altruism and and everything, but I don't lay awake at night you know agonizing that I didn't give enough money away today, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, I guess if I felt sufficiently guilty, I might. But that that was the line, and when uh, we finally get like the origin story of of his when the gods first started talking to him. I think the first thing they said was you cannot, you can never atone for, or you, you will atone for this. You can never atone for this. Mm-hmm. You can, you will never atone for this. You will atone for, yeah. They, they simultaneously were like, you'll die trying, but you'll never get there. Right. Which is like kind of the, you know, the punchline of the life you can save, right? Or, or of uh, what was the essay? Famine, affluence, and morality. Right. It's like it, you owe it to you owe it to them to give everything you can, but you can't actually fix the problem. Yeah. No, that's it's a it's a lose lose situation, and it's I, I liked uh, re-listening to it, Jen, that you pointed out that the the gods in his head are very short sighted. Um, you know, with with the foresight of like maybe a day, because they do admonish him not to take all the grain because they should leave some for whatever the rest of the population the next day. Right, but, the, but their their time horizon seems like twelve hours. Right, mm-hmm. they're just yeah. fighting fires constantly, and just like whatever right now is the problem to fix, and not there's just no space for backing up and actually solving any long term anything. Yeah, if, if he Which, can't hold down a job or you know keep his possessions because he keeps whatever uh, ignoring orders to do the right thing, then yeah. that's going to hurt his long term impact to do the most good. Which might be an argument that the gods are short-sighted or they don't care about human affairs really that much. You know, gods are capricious bastards. Or it could be an argument that uh, this is just Andreas and he's not that smart. <laughs> so. Or or that he's just, you know... Overwhelmed. Yeah, exactly. He's overwhelmed and, yeah. you know, his... his uh, Whatever, his trauma that... that instantiated doing the voice what he can. Exactly. You know, any moment that he feels good is like, hold on, I'm not allowed to feel good. Mm-hmm. You know? I, yeah, it, it could oh, be something like brutal. that. Mm-hmm. That's brutal. What just popped into my mind is that being inside, somewhat inside the heads of all of these very flawed people, although, I don't know, what did Joa do that was so bad? He was certainly feels like the least flawed to me, but uh, all flawed because all human, um, no matter what they were doing, even Marcus Verus, who's like totally down with starving the entire town to to for his purposes um once you're inside their heads there none of them are that bad you can believe that their motives are pure and even if you don't agree with them and i just i i like that as a general premise that like not for everyone maybe but i always get mad when i when i find someone in the world and i'm like okay this person is so terrible that this maybe this is the person i can just purely say screw that guy and i bet if I read the story that was inside his brain of what's actually going on, I'd be like, God damn it. I have to now have some empathy because in his brain, this makes sense. See, I, I like those moments. I don't find them frustrating because it makes, it makes me feel compassion towards everyone else. 
you know, realizing that, you know, if I was having the same shit day they were having, I'd probably be, you know, a, an asshole in traffic too or whatever, right? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Although we do we, we do have a person like that in the story though, Titus. Oh, it, you're right. It, it doesn't, that guy. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't it doesn't matter how mean his parents were to him or, you know, whatever. Like he's he's crucifying orangutans, he's raping people, like However, he, we were never given access to the inside of his brain. And if somebody had written a story from the inside of his brain, we might have been like, well, I well, mean, I, mean I don't I, know. I hope I, not. But it's very easy to hate him from the outside when you don't have access to the inside of his brain. I think sometimes there's enough from the outside that you have to just imagine that, that if, if you literally can't imagine a version on the inside that can make this behavior the least bit, you know, relatable, then maybe that person is just a bad person. Um, I don't know. What's your n- not authory opinion, Enosh? <laughs> Non-canonical, <laughs> holds no water opinion. <laughs> I, I want to say that it sounds like a heckin' challenge to write a Titus point of view that would make him somewhat relatable. Um, but I, I do think, I, I agree with Jen that the vast majority of the people are trying to do good and just we disagree with them or whatever. But I do think there's some people that even if you got everything about their life, you'd still be like, no, no, fuck you. You just should not be alive. Um, And I think they're the overwhelmingly small minority of humans. But I think there's some like that. And I liked having Titus be that because I didn't have to be complicated with him. Yeah, I I think if there was a version that, you know, like if if the challenge was like, all right, write, write Titus's backstory in such a way that, you know, you don't hate him at the end of it. I can imagine it being like he had a way worse life than Joa and he finally got some power. Mm-hmm. And now he's like, you know, he's just got it this conviction that everybody sucks because, you know, his whole life they all have. And yeah. so he's like, they fucked me over for my entire life. Now I finally get a chance to be the top dog. Right. I, I do think a good person would still hate him, though. After reading that, they'd be like, OK, I can understand what got him there. But still, yeah, fuck him. Oh, yeah. Like, no, totally. He just got it. Yeah. But it, but it's not, you know, he, he's, he's, uh, you know, as evil as whatever canon, uh, Voldemort. Right. Right. And, and I think some, uh, probably more evil than professor Quirrell. I mean, yeah. I mean, crucifying that orangutan is at best, uh, mental. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at best. <laughs> yeah. His death was so... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. So satisfying. Is that what you were going to say? I hope. I was going to say so undignified. You know, and that, oh. that's what made it so satisfying. Like, if if I think if Joa had laid some carefully, you know, uh, articulated trap or whatever, and or, or whatever, just like, you know, push something heavy onto him when, you know, from from a higher floor or whatever, like, it, j- just the fact that he just got taken down by, you know, a pen knife is... It's you know he's he's a soldier. That's not how soldiers are supposed to die. He's he's a badass, um, you know, military general. Well, I forget exact his exact station, but like he he was brought down just like every other muggle would be. Right? Mm-hmm. Was that intentional? Yeah. I mean, what what were you going for? What do you think the author was going for there? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I mean, basically, just what you're saying. I, I was glad that he died stupidly and undignified like that i was worried it might be a little too unrealistic but i mean every now and then you just get a really lucky shot and you sever that big artery and then that's it i mean 
I heard on the news, uh, the news for me is the the Mind Killer podcast trademark um, <laughs> mm-hmm. that some South Korean politician got stabbed in the neck and apparently it was non-fatal. But that really surprised me. I feel like most stabs to the neck, especially in ancient Roman times, were probably lethal. You know, granted, I, I mean, he, he died right away, but or, you know, basically right away. It's not like he died of infection a week later, but. Uh, the thing is, a pen knife is very small. Like, it would have been so easy to get, like, some muscle or the esophagus or the trachea or just some place that would have left you with a bad day and you're, you know, you can't continue raping someone, but you're not going to die from it. And the fact that he got the jugular I felt a slightly unrealistic, but, you know, it's it's fiction. It's fine. Yeah. It was, it made for a satisfying death. Well, and also the trachea, you know, he would have bled into his lungs and drowned, right? Like. I mean, I'm not a scientist, but I think injuries are no joke. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I mean, so again, like if, if Joe had bested him in combat, that would have been like, okay, yeah, it's fantasy, you know, whatever. That would have been kind of unsatisfying. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, having him, uh, just fall to kind of a desperate flail was epic. Mm-hmm. And exactly what he deserved. <laughs> he could have tripped and fallen and hit his head on a rock, right? That would have been a little mm-hmm. bit lame. But the fact that he he uh, that Joe actually actively killed him, I thought in a pretty believable way. I liked it. Oh. Yeah, uh, and that he was backed into a corner, like you said. He could have he could have laid a trap. He could have shoved a heavy rock onto his head. He could have poisoned him. He could have done something clever. Um, he he. This is I liked that he was backed into a corner and it was a panic response. Um, and, uh, I, I don't know. I thought I found it. I didn't find it the least bit, uh, implausible or unbelievable. It wasn't distracting. Didn't take me out of it in any way to say like, that probably wouldn't have happened. I was, I was there for it. Yeah. Same here. I think, I think it was at least partly due just a tiny bit due to Titus being an awful person because like he would, as you said, he would never have been taken down if someone like was trying to go after him with a knife. But like he's there, he's watching this person struggle. He's enjoying it. You know, he's like, yeah, flail at me. This just makes raping you all the more fun. And then, oh shit, I'm dead. I was like, that's, it's, it, it was good. I, I, I don't know. No. I shouldn't say it was good about my own writing. That is very conceited. No, no. Please you, cut that out. Th- no, no. That stays in because you weren't saying that your writing was good. You were saying that it was good that he died that way. That's right. Okay. Yeah. That's what I, mean, I heard. That, that's right. what I heard. Yeah. Um, okay. That reminds me. So, uh, or, or rather, well, just t- kind of talking about Joa. When when thinking about our, our our characters, like Andreas's motivation is just pure. You know, I've got to make up for the guilt. You know, for for the bad I've done. I got read in my ledger, right? Mm-hmm. Mar- Marcus is a different flavor of guilt, but also maybe a sense of responsibility. But I don't think he would have been quite as nuts if if Quintus hadn't died. Mm-hmm. Um, Joa doesn't. Maybe and I, I'm remembering uh, well from the conversation I had with with Jen again two months ago, but also just thinking about Joa. Like I didn't connect with him like I did with Marcus uh, and Andreas. But I think I think I liked. I, I think I connected with Marcus the, the just personally the most. But it wasn't clear to me like Joa's motivation to me. It wasn't like he had a guilt drive of any sort. It was just kind of like survive. Well, he was he. I didn't connect the guilt to his sense of responsibility for his animals and his people that he was in charge of. But he had tremendous guilt about his village boyfriend. And and you're right. When you mentioned the animals, he feels bad for every one of those that gets killed too. Mm-hmm. Like he apologizes to all of them as they go out into the arena. That was one thing that um, the short story did better. Uh, that refrain is repeated, I think, either three three or four times in the short story. And the last line of the short story is his apology. And um, 
when you when you get that repeated three times in five thousand words, it it really sticks out. And when it's the final line of the story, so it 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 lost that in the novel. But there was so much else going on in the novel that it was okay that it lost that. There there were other things to make up for it. It's just you know different different media. You, there's some things you can't do in a novel that you can do in a short story, similar to like some things you can do in a novel that you can't do in a movie. So you're saying that there was kind of a, a huge guilt motivator for him, but it was kind of just buried through the rest of the book. Um, yes. And also it's not that it was just buried. He did have that guilt motivator somewhat, but like it was, it was highly overshadowed by Andreas's guilt motivator. He sort of had a responsibility motivator, but that was overshadowed by Marcus's responsibility motivator. <laughs> and so he, he kind of had a little bit of everything and also just trying to get survive and get through the day kind of thing. So I, to me, he felt like the most everyman kind of person. Yeah, I was I was going to say the 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 most. I was actually going to say every man, but now it sounds like I'm just saying that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like you know, because none of us are are soldiers, none of us are are noblemen, right? Or nobles. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So like, and you know, not, luckily, no one, not, none of us are slaves either. But we, you know, we're, we're closer to we're closer to Joa than we are to Marcus. You know, uh, mm-hmm. most of us. Um, and, and you know he wants he wants to feel some joy in his life. He wants to not hurt the animals. He wants to have his lover by his side. Those those normal things that motivate any of us to go to work and come home each day. Well, and he's got the additional stick. You know, so that, that's the carrot. But he's he's got the stick of like you know we'll hit you until you die if you don't do your job. Which <laughs> right. luckily we don't we don't have that. Uh, yeah. But what was the um. Where where did Marcus come from? Because his his whole thing with Quintus to me was just amazing. I I love mm. I love the um I, I I don't know if it's it's too too broad to just be called a, a cognitive tool, but the the thing we do as as people where we have like shoulder companions, um, mm-hmm. you know, like I I can like uh Harry explaining to Hermione like you know do I have a version of you living in my head, or do you have a version of me living in your head rather, um. Like we all have that for our friends and uh, his, his desperation to keep Quintus uh, as alive as possible. I don't know. I, I loved that. And uh, it didn't, didn't click for me. And I, I wonder if, if Wes was right here, uh, if he was right on the money when he was like, Oh, that was the most Enyosh thing to say ever. <laughs> um, when it was like, you know, he can't change Quintus's words to suit his own means. Otherwise he might as well be killing him. Cause that's yeah. true. Yeah. You know, like if if you're going to say no, I've, I've got a copy of him, you know, and he's still alive. I'm like, well, this one time he had sided with me, and it's like, no, he he actually wouldn't, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, Wes had said that's the most Enyosh thing ever because he was thinking of you know emulations and stuff, and I think he's he's right, but I wasn't thinking about it on that level. Um, were you thinking about it on that level when you were writing Marcus? Not in the terms of emulations, no. Just in the terms of tr- being true to the memory of someone. I like it. Yeah, it, it worked yeah, really well. Really good. It worked really well, and it and it. Um, I don't know. It was a very clear. I, I thought I liked the way that it showed allowed us to get some insight into a character who wasn't even in the book because he was dead before the book started, um, and still was alive because that's how hard he was keeping him alive. Yeah. That reminds me. Was the the thing where Marcus wanted um, the witch and wizard to imprint Quintus into uh, Andreas was that thread kind of just cut because you know the world was going to end and then didn't or or was his goal really just to like w- was it actually achieved because now there's a- another 
Quintus inside Andreas's head. Damn it. I like your interpretation, and so I want to claim death of the author and not say anything. Well, let, let, I can phrase it in a way that not asking the author. Well, I mean, what, 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 that what, had not occurred to me, and the fact that it occurred to you makes me love your reading of it <laughs> a little more, and be very happy that you read it. Well, good. I'm glad. So, so in your mind, it was kind of like like just a thread that didn't get a chance to to finish. In in my mind, if they had been able to finish the ritual completely, then there could have been some magic that turned him into Quintus um, and erased Andreas completely uh, in this world. But um, obviously, we never saw that. And your interpretation is like so much better that I really wish I hadn't said that out loud. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you credit for it. Um, no, I mean, it, it's... Because I, I think that I think the, the story is pretty textual, but that's what he was going for. Like you know, he mm-hmm. he's like I already got a, an imaginary version of him. I want a real version of him again, right? That's right. So yeah. you know, it, it was pretty clear that's what he was going for. But I wasn't sure if it was a thread that like was again dropped because the world because of the the impending apocalypse, or if it was because that was always how it was going to go. But no, I, I can dig it. Oh man, I think this is exactly the kind of thing I was hoping for, which is like. Even that struggle to hear you, Eniash, be like, I don't want to even cop to this because I like that. This is why I'm keeping silent. Like that whole that whole process right there is, I think, what I came for. <laughs> we want to make you did squirm. You? That was the point. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you have um, things, Jen? I, I don't remember if you said like you had a list of things or if they've been hit or whatever. Uh, let's see. I am looking through my notes. I think... I had some like super general ones. I am wondering, you know, to what extent do you remember details of everything? Because you went in and the, and it was so long, you lived it for so long, you wrote it and rewrote and edited it, presumably went through this whole process. I don't know how long it took to write from beginning to end, but I'm, I am curious about when people bring up all these little details and nuances of the story, how much of that is like in your head? How much of it do you have to go back and refer? How much of it gets pushed out when you start thinking of the next thing that you're going to write? If I ask you in three years about some detail from this book, are you going to remember? Are you going to be like, geez, I wrote that this many years ago. I'm, I'm writing a new story now. I don't remember. I'm sure I've already forgotten some. Uh, I don't remember what the detail was, but I wouldn't, one of the episodes that I was listening to, you guys mentioned a detail, and I was like, oh, oh, yeah, I did write that. Neat. So um, I, I'd already forgotten at least one. I don't remember which it is now because it's been re, re, re-remembered, I guess, in my memory. But I'm sure there's things that, I'm, that I've forgotten, and uh, there will be more over time. But yeah, that's, that's just curious. how human brains are. Yeah. I have... Another question down here that says, um, I'm wondering whether you'll even admit to this, but do you have, can you put the three main characters in order of how much you identify with them? Wait, can I, can we, can we, can me and Jen take turns guessing the order first? Please do. Um, You go first. Joa, Andreas, Marcus. And Jen's guess? Andreas, Joa, Marcus. (sighs) It's hard because... Whenever you write a character, you you got to get into them, and that requires pulling some things of yourself out and putting them into them, you know? So I identify with all of them to a certain extent, and there's bits of my personality and even things that happen in my life that are in them. Um, and I've just changed so much. Like, Andreas was absolutely me at 19, and how 
part of the question is like, how much do I identify with 19 year old Inyash now? Um, gosh, I don't know. Um, it's, it's very, very close, but probably Andreas Marcus Joa. Ooh, interesting. I, I, I was going to put, I, I, I hemmed and hawed whether to put, um, Andreas first or second, but I thought Marcus would be third for sure. So me too. Yeah. Why is, why is Joa last? I guess. Cause that's neat. That was both Jen and I were wrong on that one. Cause he's also last for me, but it, I can't, you know, it's hard for me to put my finger on why. Cause he's also the one that I guess I'm the, I'm the most like, you know? Yeah. Um, partly because Joa in my mind is still strongly the short story Joa that wanted the world to be that mm. should have let the world be destroyed. And I, I don't, um, feel that the world should be destroyed anymore. Um, why Joe last? I, I don't know. He just, he seems the least, <laughs> maybe it's because he seems like the least really interesting, flashy person. And I would like to think of myself as more interesting and flashy. Hmm. I can dig it. I mean, cause like you said, he, he is, he is of, of the characters. He's the least boring, you know, it, it's cool being, being the, the right hand of the emperor. It's cool being a, a military badass who talks to gods uh yeah. joe is a slave who tries his best not to get hit every day you know like <laughs> right. now now that said you know it's not it's not shitting on him and it's it's you know kind of like inspiring as all hell that he still finds beauty in in his day-to-day you know but it but mm-hmm. it's not like i wish i was more like joa you know like no one aside from like that little specific aspect of like being able to find the silver you know find the um uh, is there a shorthand for that you know uh shit what's that word for like not not a uh short story like one of those short fables that tell, well, tells moral? like a like a like the the one where it's like you know dangling from a cliff but like oh look there's a tasty grape here or whatever right oh yeah um so like no no one wants to be dangling from the cliff but like if we were it'd be nice to be able to enjoy the 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 flavor of, of whatever's nearby right and mm-hmm. so that, that's that's what joa is doing but like none of us i think want to be joa right yeah he's not aspirational right other than the fact that he seems to you know find uh he's like the only one who actually finds happiness anywhere i i identified with him the most i i thought he was the most agentic and you know give he was like okay these are the cards i've been dealt how can i make this the best i can make it and mm-hmm. that I was like that I I I can vibe with that. Um, yeah. I didn't. That, that's oh, sorry you didn't. <laughs> I couldn't connect with. Uh, I could not connect with. Um, God, now did you just just get them all out of my head? Our friend with the <laughs> Peter Singer disease, <laughs> Andreas. <laughs> oh, Andreas. Andreas. I could not connect with him. Uh, at all I was like there's no part of me that is really a fighter uh, there's no part of me that is um, that feels this like desperation of I don't know what to do I can never do enough he he just he felt so underwater and so overwhelmed and so there was so much suffering um, and I felt like we all suffer um, but I don't know there was something about Joa that I felt like he was like all right I I, I have been given this situation these are my parameters. These are my constraints. How do I, how do I do the best with this? And that I feel like is kind of how I walk in the world. So I, I was totally down with Joa. 
I, I love hearing that from you because that is like how I see you too. Like, yeah, she's <laughs> that's, that's Jen. She's making the best she can of everything, and that's awesome. And agentic as fuck. Exactly. Because <laughs> I mean, like, Mark Marcus has a wider sweeping impact, but only because he's an you know uh, a high status noble, right? Mm-hmm. Andreas has has more impact because he leads armies or mobs, depending on which side of the, the sword you're on. Um, but like Joa does more with so much less, right? Yeah. So I, I think there's something really admirable in that. Okay. Yeah. So wait, so what was your final answer again? You said Joa last. Yeah. And, and, and really close between Andreas and Marcus, but Andreas before Marcus, I think. And tell Probably. me what parts of Marcus you identify with. Um, the- the parts that, again, I think this is maybe aspirational, but the parts that really just sit down and do the thing that needs to be done, even if it sucks, even if it hurts, even if it's going to kill a lot of people along the way. But like sometimes things need to be done and someone needs to do them. And Marcus was the one that needed to to save Rome. So that's sort of, I think it's the duty aspect of it. The duty and the mm. more rationality. He's, I think, the most rationalist among the characters. Uh, I mean, he's still he's not a rationalist. Like he's he's a Roman senator, but he's he's the one who most tries to be dispassionate and logical about using everything he can for this goal that is so important to him. Uh, this preservation of his society i guess the whole wanting to protect the thing that is more important than anything else the continuation of rome i'd like i think duty is an actual important thing and uh we don't put enough importance on it in the real world so i I like that he does that even though it leads him to bad places i like that too about him and i i don't know if it was so much the duty as it was just the I mean, I guess that is what duty is. I was going to say that the sense of responsibility of like, well, someone's got to do it. And I'm the only one who, who, you know, like it, it's the yeah. thing that people, you know, if, if you're charity, if you're feeling charitable, it's the thing that people like about Thanos, right? Mm. Like he, he's actually wrong, but he's like, look, I, I think I'm doing the right thing. And so I'm going to kill everyone I need to do to do it. Right. Uh, yeah. Or <laughs> peacemaker. I, I love peace so much. I, I don't care how many men, women and children <laughs> I have to kill to get it. Um, but but, uh part of my thinking with marcus was that he wouldn't have like he he wouldn't have gone to such extremes if he wasn't mired in guilt as well um well not just guilt but loss grief that's what i was looking for grief yeah i i the thing I liked about him, um, about killing off his son near the beginning, is that it really cemented the duty aspect to him because he he's conflicted about this thing. I sent my son off to fight in the legions because that is the duty of every Roman man. And it is a good thing that I did that. And even knowing that he died, it was the correct choice at the time. So he's got this thing where like, I did the correct thing and I have to confront the fact that I would still send him to die because you have to. And like the fact that he lost his son in the pursuit of his, of the duty of of the good that you do to you for your community um, just made that even more important to him and maybe like blinded him with it, that this, 
this is the most important thing now. I, I am so firmly committed to the duty that not only did I sacrifice my son, what, why shouldn't I sacrifice everything sort of a feeling? Mm. That's awesome. I, cause I, in my mind, I thought that he wouldn't, might, maybe wouldn't have gone as far if uh, Quintus didn't die, but maybe cause Quintus, Quintus would have acted as a voice of restraint. Although yeah. if Quintus hadn't died, maybe he wouldn't take his word so heavily as he does, you know, now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd be like, look, you're a kid. You'll understand when you're older. Uh, That's th- a good th- point. this is what an adult needs to do. This is, this is the responsibility that comes with being, you know, of our station. One day you'll see that. I could imagine him talking him down if he, if he hadn't died. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I mean, I, I think, I think that's, that was epic. I mean, th- everything about Marcus's, uh, like I said, his, his motivations were the ones that I think I'm most identified with. Maybe that's why I liked him the most. Uh, mm. Oh, I this was a, a question I remember that Wes and I touched on. So like, you know, he's willing he's willing to kill presumably 90% of Rome to save it, right? Uh, maybe maybe that's too high of a fraction, but uh, Wes and I were, were wondering, we're kind of speculating if you if you'd rather kill 100% of it than have it be turned over to the hedonists. And he thought maybe this is your super hard stance against wireheading coming coming through in, in your writing. <laughs> That's I mean I, I didn't think of the term wireheading, but yeah, basically if the hedonists take over, there isn't a Rome anymore, right? So Rome, Rome might as well not exist because it died when you know we we whatever fell into yeah. hedonism. Yeah, okay, <laughs> That's awesome. Then we can. Yeah, this is off topic, but then we can talk about like how far does it have to fall into hedonism before it stops being Rome and is worth blowing up the whole thing. But maybe that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> yeah. What, 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 what if, what if every Roman just is really happy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's just immoral, sir. <laughs> Not a good Roman unless you wake up sad every morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, just keep that stiff, stiff upper lip and be very stoic. <laughs> Yeah, that was another cool thing about him too. Is he was, I mean, other than I think when he ramp. Oh yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't Paulus because he kills him in that sword fight, right? Who does he smash to death with his cane? Oh yeah, that was the the guy that um he blames for his son's death, right? And it was definitely um, uh, what's his name, Titus, right? I yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to have to rephrase. Is it a reasonable interpretation if one were to say Titus? <laughs> and, and Titus, if, if you, if anyone didn't get that it was Titus from the writing, then I have failed my job because it was supposed to be apparent enough that you can pick it that you can pick it up if you if you're paying attention. Well, I mean, so that was Andreas's conclusion, I think, um, yeah. or at least he thought like something oh, really right. fishy is going on here. I don't know if he comes right yeah. out and says it, uh, or rather, if he comes right out and thinks it, but. Mm-hmm. Um, He's definitely trending that way. Uh, yeah. So, so, oh yeah. So, Paulus. Pe- Pe- am I saying that right? Palace. Whatever. Uh, I assume it's Paulus. I I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce um, Roman Latin names either. Apparently, the V's are supposed to be pronounced like W's, which just sounds weird to me. So, I don't. I've also heard the C's are supposed to be hard, and I never understood that. Um, yeah. Like, is that true? Was it Cicero, not Cicero? Um, but it, so yeah, all right. We'll just go with our with uh, Paulus. Um, so he was the political opponent, but the guy that he bashed to death with his cane—that was the guy that he—that was, I guess, what the military commander or something at the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That was awesome. That was so fucking cool. <laughs> Thanks. And again, I, I, you know, 
this isn't just me standing for Marcus. I I totally would relish in that moment too, right? You know, and I, I, I was going to say he 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 kept his composure or something. I think I brought that up as a counterexample, but he just because he enjoyed it didn't mean he lost composure. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I I'm <laughs> immensely interested about what Jen's face is doing right now because th- it was a rather gory scene. I I'm no. <laughs> I can't even describe my face. I was listening to the whole thing. I'm like, that was awesome. Um, <laughs> I think my literal thought was something like that. That was the most boy part of this whole conversation. <laughs> Here's the way that I relate that. Cause I'm, I'm a, I'm a very nonviolent person in my, my real life. I, you know, the only time I've ever felt an impulse to violence towards like, it was my, my, my grandma got scammed by some asshole on the internet out of like 350 bucks. And like, that's a lot of money for her. And we got some of it back and you know, it, it was all handled, but it was like some, some jackass actually stole from my grandmother. Like oh, if man. I, if I could, you know, go, I was going to say go Marcellus Wallace on his ass, but, um, <laughs> so, but, but a way to illustrate this point is, did you see, um, uh, John Wick. I saw the first one. That, I, I'm asking Jen too. No, 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 oh, I did not. Okay, is it, be, uh, it is it because you know how, what the, what happens in the first ten minutes? Uh, no, it is. It was just in general. I stay away from super violent movies. Oh, fair enough. I so you know if you're not going to watch it, like, and this is this is the premise of the movie. You know, he, he's a retired badass assassin, and he's he's left that life behind, and then. Uh, these these car thieves break into his house and then they kill his puppy. Oh, and so he go, he he goes on like on a seventy person rampage and kills everybody till he gets to the guy who did it, and then he then he's he wants to be done after that. But like it, it's it's one of those things where you're like you know, I'm again I don't I don't love violence in in real life, but in movies it's especially in this it's like yeah those guys deserved it, you know it's yeah so it's like okay if if anything is going to make this puppy death okay it's going to be all of these people dying it's like oh yeah they're all going to die and all their friends it's great um so, so yeah in, in that sense it's a very boy you know uh whatever uh 300 you know uh fist against chest you know kind of kind of thing but uh yeah. I, I think there's some maybe it's not universal but well and calling it boy to be clear it was not a dig it was just saying it was just very male coded that's all i yeah. wasn't i wasn't complaining no no i i, 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 I have I, on good authority that jen really likes boys <laughs> i do i'm a fan <laughs> no yeah i wasn't i wasn't uh attributing like um uh lack of virtue to it just that i wonder if that is male coded i guess I need to ask more girls if they uh if they enjoyed uh the the vengeance in john wick because i feel like that's the good litmus test I think have you I, asked- I definitely have a propensity to like imagine, you know, specific wrongs that have been done, and I'll definitely succumb once in a while to some kind of a vengeance daydream. But I think the girl coded version is more just like calamity befalling the person rather than actual clubbing them to death like a baby seal. <laughs> <laughs> just just ruin their life and make make them rue the day that they thought to fuck with you. Like all their friends leave them and yeah, nobody loves them, that sort of thing. That's just, those are the, the brutal the brutal violence imagination dreams of girls. I mean what what's worse? Clubbing someone to death with a cane or ruining their life? <laughs> right? No, I, I think yeah, the girls' revenge is much worse. I'd rather just be dead. It can be <laughs> oh man um i don't have any uh other notes that we didn't hit 
Where do we go from there? Well, okay. My, if we're, I do have a question about what's next. When, what are you writing for us next? And when do we get to read it? Oh, okay. Um, well, fine. I got three things to touch on on that. Um, the first is that um, right now, What Lies Dreaming is, um, you can get it, you know, most books, not bookstores, but most online retailers and also the audio version on Audible. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just put the entire thing up on this feed like one chapter each day until the whole thing is out just because you know it's it's been available for a while if anyone who wants to have bought it has bought it and uh everyone else i'll put the audio version free so they can just listen to it if they want it because yeah i, I would much rather people read it than get a few bucks from each reading so uh it, it'll be available for everyone soon also i'm, I'm gonna be- beg at least two or three times somewhere in there hey if you like this maybe consider picking it up on audible but uh i you know that the fact that people read it to me is far more important than any monetary stuff. It would have been um, nice if they paid you for it, but it's like, all right, well, at least we want you to get it. Yeah, I, I yeah. think I understand that totally. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be putting out an anthology of my short stories. Uh, the, the, I have one anthology out already of uh, I think five short stories. I've written some more in the intervening years. I'm going to put out something with that later in this year. Um, just another collection of my short stories that have been published before, some of them only in print. So if you didn't buy that particular issue of a print magazine, you probably haven't read the story. Uh, and at least one that has never been seen anywhere ever. So that'll be a first for me. Um, but the thing that I am currently working on is a new novel. Um, if you guys have read Host, which is one of these short stories in my first anthology and is also available online for free, um, that is being expanded into a novel right now, which um, the, the the pitch I like is that it's zombies in space because <laughs> I don't want to be too presumptive and, uh, and highfalutin or anything. Um, but yeah, it's a kid, teenager, lives on a space station that looks suspiciously like a 20th century suburban neighborhood uh, in the far future. Uh, but zombies attack, and uh, he has to survive, maybe fight off a few of them, and uh, be reunited with his friend as they go on this adventure. And then, you know, there's there's a whole bunch more to it than that. And uh, but that's 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 the core of it. That's awesome. I feel like I'm I must have read Host, but I I so part of me wants to go back and reread it to prep for this. But I I also kind of really liked reading What Lies Dreaming. Was the short story also called What Lies Dreaming? It was um, of all possible worlds. That's right. Uh, but part of me really enjoyed the uh, the aspect of like feeling like, why do I feel like I remember this uh, <laughs> without without being sure why? So I might just do that again for uh, – do, do you have a title for whatever, the book version I, of Host? The working title is Space Zombies. <laughs> I do not have an actual title yet, no. You know, if you stuck with that, that would, t- that, that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> zombies in space, in space. <laughs> no that sounds awesome um well cool man uh and you mentioned places to, to buy this book uh you, but you didn't mention amazon which is the easiest way to get it and there's yes. there's a physical copy uh with great art that this is back when you had to pay people to make art for you um you did many hundreds of dollars and it, it looks great for what you know i don't know if you got enough feedback saying that but it it has all of the calamity I, i'm not you know it's not clear what day it is maybe it's the last day because the uh coliseum is kind of exploding but like it's just like oh yeah shit gets nuts and it, jen, jen has an interesting take on the cover i i agree with you i was like what is the most like cinematic part of the story it's like oh yeah when all the shit is going nuts at the end so that's what i i put on the cover 
Jen, you have a different take about the cover. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't going to say, but I was like, yeah, I didn't think the cover, I thought the cover made it look like it was going to be an action novel. And so while we're not supposed to judge books by their covers, I don't know. I, I wanted something that was more about the three guys. And I felt like the book was more cerebral than the cover made it look like it was going to be. Yeah. I, I have that problem. I, something about me wants to shy away from cerebral looking things because I really hate the up your own ass litfic kind of like I'm a professor who's, who's grumpy about my life novels. And so I'm like, yeah, no, I'm leaning into the adventure stuff. And, but like space zombies, it's, it's about zombies in space. It's going to be adventure and fighting and stuff, but I'm also got a lot of things to say about religion and about growing up as, as a young male that are in there as well. But I don't want to be like, yeah, man, it's about finding yourself and coming to grips with religion when you realize whatever, because it's also got space zombies. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, don't 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 get too up your own ass about a book with space zombies in it. I'm trying to imagine what other cover I would have put on this. Like, it could have been some sort of like artistically chopped, you know, picture of three different heads, you know, with maybe some ominous black cloud or something above it. You know, like blending them together. Some Roman stuff. Well, the, the Colosseum's Roman. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the, but not just like three heads. Yeah, I guess. But the thing is, I, maybe it's just because I, you know, I don't have any idea what any of these characters look like. Let's see. Yeah, I'd have to look like Romans on the front. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I I, I sort of like the fact that I, there's no you can't really see faces in the cover. It's just like I'm I'm looking at it from across the room, so I can't really make out any of the details anyway. But I remember it's it's not like. It, it doesn't tell you exactly what's in it other than it's like, this is calamity and it's Rome and it's right. by the size of it, magical calamity. <laughs> yeah. I, I liked on the outside of the Harry Potter jacket covers when I read them that you would look at it and just be like, I don't know, m- some magical stuff maybe. And then after you read the book, you could go back and look at the cover and be like, Oh, that's a snitch. And that's a, this, and that's the thing. And that's the, like, you could identify all the things mm-hmm. after you'd read the book about you what know, was actually going on that you didn't know the, the fact that i can remember all the book covers and i haven't looked at any of them in at least 10 years i think <laughs> really emphasizes your point uh they're very memorable in that way because i especially you, you look back and you're like again it's like oh some magic bird or whatever it's you know a uh, peacock it's like, oh that's the phoenix oh that's the he's yeah. coming out of the chamber of secrets oh man and uh yeah th- those are great i don't know are you gonna use ai generated art for uh uh space zombies uh, I'm definitely going to use it for my anthology be, and just have an illustration with each story, which is going to be just so much fun. That's so cool. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure about Space Zombies. That's, I mean, only a quarter of the way written so far, and it's been kind of, kind of slow. I'll, I'll cross that bridge when I get to the end of the novel. I uh, Did you see Alexander Wales put out the um, Exclusion Zone document? Uh, I saw that it came out. I've only read, I think, one of them. I got distracted by other things. I was just going to say that uh, I think he used AI-generated art at the top of each one of those, too. Excellent. And I, it, it's just a, a fun, you know, little thing. Okay, yeah. last question. I wasn't, I don't know why I'm leaning into the AI <laughs> thing. Are you going to have, are you going to ask ChatGPT at any point to help you write? What's your, what's your thoughts on on authors, like, leaning, this is, now we're off of what lies dreaming, but who cares? Um, it's a uh, great tool. It, I've I've already used it a few times to be like, hey, remind me of the, what that thing is, and it spits out the thing. I'm like, thank you, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, I, I like it can't write well yet, and uh, hopefully by the time I 
put this novel out, it still won't be able to write that well. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't feel right now any comp- competitive pressure from it, um, which is why I'm saying, well, yeah, it's totally a fine tool. Anyone can use it. And uh, if you try to make something entirely with ChatGPT without knowing how to write, it's going to suck and people aren't going to give you money for it. I guess or or remember it. I think it was just like when it first came out, people were there was talk about like, well, if you know, if I ask it for an idea and then I kind of run with it, or I, you know, I've got this scene going. What do you think this person would do? Oh, that's really good. I'm going to use that. People, some people thought that 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 was like cheating. And I yeah, I, fuck that. That that totally. That's fine. I mean, you do that with your friends sometimes. You're like, ah, I, I. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. But because uh, that that's how that I think that's where that argument ends. But I'm, I'm glad you landed there. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just thought that was. I was like, I was going to say that. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to replacing all my friends with ChatGPT over time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh you got my number. It was nice uh, knowing you. <laughs> yeah. No, I, uh but anyway, that, that's that's that'll be cool. Do you, I yeah, I was going to ask if you had any timeline for uh Space Zombies, but the answer is like sooner than it's probably going to come out. I hope to be done with it by the end of the year. Oh damn. Okay, good. All right, you heard it you heard it here first everybody. He's going to have a book done by the end of the year. So Early next year, you'll be able to buy it. We've well, all got our wallets edit- ready, Yash. Yep. Editing usually out. takes editing usually takes a few months on top of that, but um, yeah, soon. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> cool, man. Any other? Do you have any thoughts about the discussions that we had on the previous episodes? This one, or did you know any? Oh, is there anything that you wish we'd asked that we didn't, or any anything else you wanted to say? I do have a fun anecdote sort of because when when you told me you want to do this recording i was like are they gonna have any questions like do i just need to break the ice with something so i came prepared with a little story that i can end on hell but, yeah um, yes please <laughs> i i want to make sure before i do like did, did you guys all good with everything were there any other questions or anything i'm all set i'm sure i'll think of them but uh we had every note i had which is the best i can ask for so um no it was i think i got basically everything i wanted to say out so okay yeah well the a lot of the fun of writing this was doing a lot of historical research, and uh, specifically about second century Rome. And part of the issue when I first started writing it is that the the short story is just like an undefined period in Rome. You know, there's an emperor and a Colosseum. Uh, but now, when I'm writing an actual full on legit novel, I need to really ground this somewhere. So I'm I'm looking around trying to be like, where can I place this? Okay, the the Colosseum, what we know of as the Colosseum. Um, is a specific amphitheater which wasn't created until a certain time so it has to be after that time period and i'm looking around and uh, really the best time for this is during the reign of uh antoninus pius um but they also have the 900th anniversary during his reign which they actually do celebrate uh in a similar fashion uh, obviously without the monsters and revolution but (laughs) um but like almost everything fits in except for the fact that he's one of the five good emperors like Rome does really well during his time period. And sure. It does really well by murdering the people that are on the outside and taking their land and putting Romans on it and bringing slaves back in. Like it's still a militaristic slave owning society, but it's not like on the verge of collapse. It's not like the people are completely decadent. So what's, what's going on? How am I making this place worse than it actually is? And I think one thing that any historic scholar is going to ask almost immediately when they read this is, where the hell is Marcus Aurelius? Because Marcus Aurelius is the emperor that comes after Pius, and again, one of the five good emperors. And he is known for being very calm, stoic in the face of adversity. Like He literally wrote the the founding text of Stoicism. 
Um, it's called and, the meditations. Yes. Uh, and I couldn't have him in the story because he would just, uh, Marcus uh, Aurelius, not Marcus Aurelius, um, Antoninus Pius really did have uh, his uh, wife die. And um, Marcus Aurelius was there to comfort him and be like, look, we all have pain in our lives. This is how we get through it. And he helped him through that. And I started thinking, you know, we can't have this good guy around helping out the emperor to get over his emotional damage. We we really need Pius to like spiral badly after his wife's death and kind of start bringing the empire down with him, not paying as much attention to it, trying to self-soothe. And so like this other corrupting influence can rise up and fill, fill that power vacuum, which was the character I invented, Paulus Pulcher. Um, but so what, what does happen to Marcus Aurelius though? And so I'm reading through the history of Marcus Aurelius and when he was really young, two, three, maybe four, but probably between two and three, his father died. And his father was Marcus Verus. Uh, and Marcus Aurelius's actual given name is Marcus Verus. Aurelius was a nickname given later on, kind of like Pius is not uh, Antoninus's real name. It's also a nickname that was given later on. Um, and so I was like, what, what, what about if we just swap their deaths? Uh, when Marcus Aurelius is two or three years old, he dies and his dad continues to live and stays being a senator of Rome and uh, stays being a friend of the emperor. And, the emperor starts spiraling. And since the fact in real history, Marcus Verus died and didn't do anything beyond that time, I can do anything I want with him. Like there isn't a history I have to start altering and working with because he's dead in our timeline. So I can do whatever I want. And um, that's that's what happened to Marcus Aurelius. You actually see him very briefly when he enters his son's ashes. Uh, you see the little jar of the two-year-old son that he lost. Uh, and that is Marcus Aurelius right there. Uh, do we get one quick line about and then continue on? That's so fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> All I mean, on on a on a on a meta note, the fact that you did homework for this, it, you know, it's a fantasy book. You know, these could all be made up names. You know, like you didn't actually have to get any of the details right, but you actually did a lot of work to get get the facts straight in your in a fantasy story. I thought that was awesome. I mean, I, I did the best I could for me. The historians, I'm sure, will find all sorts of things wrong with it. Um, I, I I don't want to claim to be any sort of like Rome history guy, but uh, I, I did put in some effort to, to do as much as I could on my end. Yeah, well, I, that's what I'm saying, though, is like, you know, I think more than you needed to to get away with writing the story, like at some point in the last couple of years, I forget, was it tomatoes? You were like, oh, no, that's that's not an old world food. And yeah, and you just knew that because you did ancient Roman history to write this book. <laughs> yes. uh, and like, I, 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 anyway, I just thought that was cool because people don't have to do, do that. Um, and, and the fact that you just were so like enthusiastically talking about it means that it was fun and enjoyable, which is great. Yeah. And, and I'm so glad that that ended with you saying, this is the timeline point of departure being our Marcus mm -hmm. earliest dying. Cause I was going to say, yeah, man, that's like how every fanfic works. Every alternative universe works, right? Mm -hmm. You have the thing that went differently. Yes. And uh, what, what I mean, what was the uh, timeline departure in Method Rationality? Just like Voldemort was smart. Uh, it was that Petunia got um, a spell right. to make her. Uh, not Petunia. Sorry, Lily. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, no, no. Petunia, no Petunia got. Yeah, yeah. Petunia got the spell cast on her by Lily to make her pretty. So she uh, didn't have to get stuck with uh, Dudley Dursley. She managed to marry, marry uh, Varys. Yeah. Okay. So thanks for reminding me. 
Uh, well, all right. And I, I'm clearly at the point where I'm rambling. So, um, uh, well, thank you guys. This has been delightful. I yeah, man. yeah, this, this was great. I, again, this, this, this should have had a longer, uh, series covering it again. Seven would have been great for the thing, but, um, I guess what I'm saying is I, I feel bad that the early, the earlier episodes weren't better quality. Cause I feel like this book deserves more than that, but, uh, I'm glad I did it because now we're here talking about it and this is a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. we'll get another chance with space zombies. Woo-hoo. Yes. We'll, uh, we'll plan that one ahead. This will be a lot of fun. Okay. <laughs> we, sh- we should do a, a read along where like you and I speculate, you know, she just has to sit there. All right. Well, thanks again. It is the torture I deserve. (laughs) Thanks again, Jen and uh, Inyash. This was this was great. Totes. Thanks for putting this together. Yeah, man. I hope to talk to you guys again soon. Likewise. Mm -hmm.